This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, March 2nd. This is episode 403. My name is Dan Ellis, and I'm joined by two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, fuck yeah. And Mr. Taylor Grin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the Kool-Aid Man reference. That's good. I like it. I dig <laughs> it. What's new with you fellows? Uh, uh, it's been... Did we record last week? I, I've i lost all track of no, time. Last, last week, we got hit by the big snowstorm, and Taylor was probably right. shitting out of his mouth. Right. Yeah. No, actually, it was. I was very lucky. Um the girl I was seeing had a ridiculous cold, and I got none of it. I woke up one morning feeling mildly congested, and I was like, oh, shit, here it comes. Oh, no. And then, like, <laughs> not much really happened of it. I slept for, like, more than eight hours and then woke up next day and was like, oh, okay, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> feeling much better now. Great. Let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. Meat. Cool. <laughs> What's yep. So, yeah, we did not record last week because there was the big snowstorm and yeah. it, it took my several internet was acting up like like yeah i just every time i got on something I'd be like oh no my internet is going in and out in and out in and out yeah and i was just worried about that for the show too well you still got comcast right yeah yeah i got shit cast yeah i don't like that company very much at all they're they're it's not terrific own. and no, it's my only option well and i was really worried um i posted a picture of the communications lines in my that run in my neighbor's yard there are vines that have grown up and over them so they're already weighed down a little bit and then snow covered those and just dragged them all the way down they were sitting on top of and below the fence line in my neighbor's yards, I, I don't I don't have access over there, so I can't get over there. But that's the line that feeds my uh, fiber optic feed into my house uh -huh. for my super fast internet connection that I was worried was going to go away. But it maintained; it was fine the whole time. They, they didn't bury your fiber optic line. No, no, it's an older oh. neighborhood, so everything is already strung all over. Okay. Hell and breakfast and yeah, it's everything is, you know, we've got overhead lines everywhere. I, I really like the newer subdivisions that everything is buried because these older neighborhoods, oh, yeah. you've got lines down all the time, transformers blowing up, snow pulling cables down, all kinds of problems. And then you've also got uh, companies like Comcast who I don't, I'm not even a customer, but they have they have a right of way into my yard whenever they need to work mm -hmm. on anything because one of their main lines wow. is on a pole 40 feet up in my yard and they've got to yeah. access it that way. And I'm, I, that's, that's fine. I don't mind very much. The yeah. only time I have a problem with it is when they show up unannounced and just decide they want to come in my backyard. And I'm like, no, my gate is locked. I'm in the middle of a fucking meeting. I'm not going to get up and go and answer the door for you, jackass, who could have contacted me or can post a notice and let me know that you need to come out and perform some kind of service. 
Like I'm, I'm not available to change my life because your shit isn't terrific. (laughs) There's, there's an everywhere, everything all at once version of me out in the multiverse somewhere. Mm -hmm. I went to law school, got into like, property dispute law and is just <laughs> loving life right now just like handling easement disputes like listening to to two farmers fight over three yards of fucking land out in the boonies collecting you know three hundred dollars an hour just shit-eating grin you know uh, mm-hmm. yeah that version of me exists in the multiverse somewhere yeah for sure for sure i don't know why I subscribe to several different subreddits that are all like shitty Microsoft paint diagrams of people fighting over where a tree is planted. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, this is nice. I like this. Like I, I never got people who watch like shitty British like cooking shows and that kind of thing. And then one day I sat back and looked at the sort of case law that I just enjoy reading for fun. And I'm like, oh no, like that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. So what is it about property disputes that you find so attractive? I have no idea, (laughs) none at all. Mostly the fact that it's like, it ought to be so incredibly straightforward and yet people make it so difficult for themselves. Yeah. Like that's really what it is. Um, And then like the occasional arcane thing where the city will be like, ah, yes, but if you happen to be within 60 meters of a pond, then an easement is automatic. (laughs) Like that kind of stuff is just like, like, I don't even really think that it's 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 nothing to do with the law itself and everything to do with the human drama, especially the justice porn when it happens with like a homeowners association or something like that. Oh yeah. Um and then and then also the idea of like it, it's kind of like divorce law. Like divorces suck, um, by and large. Like even good divorces like are pain in the ass. But to be a lawyer in a divorce is basically having like a very, very highly technical skill going through like the motions and making a fuck ton of money off of it because people won't just like swallow their pride and do the thing. Mm-hmm. And the financial aspect of that to me is also very appealing, but English common law is not adhered to in the vast majority of Europe. So like I made the right choice because <laughs> I wanted to live in Europe and I wouldn't be able to do that practicing law. Yeah. But yeah, in the multiverse somewhere, there's a version of Taylor who's living in like an upper middle class, new England neighborhood practicing law in like a slightly lower middle-class New England ma- neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> really enjoying life right now. Yeah. Yeah. Divorces are terrible. And I mean, almost across the board. I, I do know friends and or family members who have had amicable splits and amicable divorces where even through everything, they've been able to maintain uh, deep and lasting friendships with the person that they had a former romantic relationship with. That's not the case with most people, including myself with my yeah. ex-wife, because. Yeah, I've got one friend. I was just going to say, she's got more problems than a math book. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one friend. Um, I'm not going to name their name, his name. That's pretty obvious uh, from what I'm about to say. Um, he and his wife got married while they were Mormon. They left the Mormon church she realized that she was not straight. They had an amicable divorce. They continue to co-raise their kid. Um, and like his dad is a divorce attorney. <laughs> and so I think that after years of watching like shitty divorces, 
for them, it was probably very easy to be like, no, no, no we, we have no hard feelings against each <laughs> what did the cat do? What's the is the cat pooping, Taylor? Taylor's giving us a finger. You're <laughs> scratching poop fucking particles everywhere around you right now. Jesus fucking Christ, cat. What the fuck? I was I was hoping you could just cut the dead air on that one. Yeah, avocado. No, I had to go with it. I had to go with it. I had to fill the dead air. I saw you. I heard it. I, you muted. I knew exactly what was going on. I had to fill it with some sort of commentary. He picked the best time to just fucking build a sandcastle back there anyway so that we've gotten far afield it went well for them and that's the only case i've ever heard of that happening yeah yeah well that's good yeah my like i said my divorce was pretty ugly and and my after uh marriage relationship with my ex-wife like it never improved and that's fine like i i don't ever have to deal with her really anymore and that's all fine and good which is great i'm laughing because <laughs> because in in the background on camera taylor's waving away what i imagine is foul cat poop scent cat poop stench yes <laughs> i love my studio apartment but dear god <laughs> the the halls are alive with the smells of pooping with dog treats. <laughs> My dogs love those treats. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shit. Yeah. They, we have one of our dogs loves loves to eat the poop from our tiniest dog. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're like little Tootsie Rolls, I guess. Hello. My name is Gleb Tsiporski. I am the president of Intentional Insights at intentionalinsights.org. I'm a professor at Ohio State University studying decision-making in politics and business, and I'm also the leader of the Pro-Truth Pledge Project at protruthpledge.org, designed to fight the tide of lies in our politics and promote the truth. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Look, is it not better that half of us die quickly than that all of us starve slowly just to play devil's advocate? And that's okay. Is it advocating for the devil? I'm not sure if you're aware, Matt, but the devils generally agree to be a bad egg. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. I, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about diversity and challenges other people have. Um, as longtime listeners of the show know, I am colorblind. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ginger. Uh, that too. I've got so many strikes hey, only against me. Only a ginger me. can call another ginger ginger. <laughs> <laughs> you have to mention so many strikes against me. But I am. I'm not just a little bit colorblind. Like I'm very, very colorblind. Uh, when when comparing or commiserating with other people who I find out are colorblind, like mine, my colorblind condition is almost always worse than theirs. And being colorblind in the United States and, well, globally, is a condition that a lot of people don't necessarily stop to think about when they're designing all kinds of shit, right? Like, I'm sure you guys, even on your desks now, you've got a phone charger somewhere that has an indicator light on it or, or a charging device of some sort that has one particular spot that tells you or is supposed to relay information about the charging status or whatever status of anything that you have. Right. And it's one spot it's and really that, a green or red light. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change from green to yellow to red, sometimes yeah. blue. 
but usually it's green, yellow, and red, and they have it on one light, and it's a dim light, and it's not there's not a lot of contrast between those colors on most of those devices. Yeah, Dan. And they suck. Have you considered not being genetically inferior? (laughs) (laughs) I've tried, but as as we've already said, I'm also a ginger. So you know, I've I'm already you know pulling up deuces in in the genetic lottery. But (laughs) but so being colorblind presents some fairly unique challenges to a lot of people. Me, I'm super colorblind. One of the things that has caused just immeasurable amounts of time spent trying to understand what other people are talking about is me looking at some of our presentations at work that are heavily, heavily reliant on being color centric in communicating different statuses for things. Right. So when we have uh, sit down reviews of various projects going on throughout our division, all of our individual teams working on these various projects are supposed to update this slide deck that we call their quad. And it's, you know, uh, acknowledging uh, milestones that they've encountered and setting dates for overcoming those, uh, things that they've recently completed, if there are any challenges or risks or a decision that needs to be made by upper management. And then next ste- next steps that they need to take to overcome whatever challenge or to complete whatever project or whatever milestone they're currently working on. And we're, we meet on those typically every week. And so from one week to the next, anything that has changed status-wise until today, people were making those changes in red text. And as a colorblind mm. person, when somebody makes a change and just puts red text intermingled with black text, it's literally in fucking visible for me. I can't fucking see it. Like if there is black text all over everything and someone has scattered a little bit of red text in there somewhere, it's fucking invisible to me. I can't fucking see it. Like literally cannot see it mixed in that there's anything different in that text. And... We've been making some changes in the amount of meetings. We're trying to shorten some shit because everybody's so busy. And we've revamped some meetings. And one of my coworkers sent out an updated template for this slide deck for everybody to use. And it seems like with every iteration of the template of this slide deck, it gets worse and worse <laughs> color-wise. Like the the different statuses even start to use non-standard colors for things where – you know, like to me as a colorblind person, it's pretty obvious and easy that green means go or fine or normal or good. Yellow is there's some kind of caution involved. There's some issue that may need some some additional information or overview. And red is holy shit, there's something going on with this absolutely needs attention. You need to, you need to look at it. And in use the same thing in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's like a global standard, right? Like green, yellow, and red. Those are standard yeah. colors for all kinds of informational like, purposes. Like, yeah. Like, like, uh, uh, street signs, lights, everything like, yeah. Red means stop hazard. Something's going on. Yeah. Green. You're good to go. Except bananas. Except bananas. <laughs> yellow means go. Yeah. Green means hold on and red means where did you find that banana? <laughs> yeah. How the fuck did you find a red banana? You've somebody's been doing something with your bananas that you should maybe think about. <laughs> so I guess it would still be a stop, yeah. Uh but but so 
a coworker uh, sent out a, a latest update for this yesterday, like toward the end of my tour of duty for the day. And they put this out as this is going to be our new standard going forward for these new meetings that we're setting up for everybody. And it was like, holy shit, this is the the way it was designed. And 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 this other coworker is a rock star, like fucking phenomenal. I can't ask for typically a, a better coworker to work with on anything. But this was sent out without thinking about people who are colorblind because it's not something that is obvious to most people, right? Like yeah. I, I don't. There's nothing obviously wrong with me aside from being a ginger and a, and a fat guy and a bald guy that anybody would go, oh, the, this, this, this condition is readily apparent that this person has that, right? And so when I saw it, it was like, shit, well, I can't just let this move forward because it's, I'm taking over a lot of these duties now. And if this goes forward, it's going to be near impossible for me to know what people are fucking talking about when we meet to review their projects. So I spent hours last night, hours and hours completely redesigning everything. I changed fonts. I changed the slide styles. I changed sizes for everything, text, text font and sizes, colors for everything. I changed our color coded key. I put in descriptions for everything. And then I sent a very, it wasn't super long, but it was, uh, I tried to make it, I tried to hammer home the point that in a perfect world, every work product that we produce would be completely 508 compliant. For those who don't know, 508 compliance is a like standard. ADA. Yeah, it's, it's a standard to help um, people of various ability to be able to work more collaboratively, more collaboratively and to be able to see things uh, easier than if, if any of those indications or any of those considerations were not uh, reflected in the work product being yeah. produced. Right. So it's, you know, well, I know Sarah had to fight with that for like the state websites when she was working with the state on stuff. She's like, this mm -hmm. is not ADA compliant for mm -hmm. people who can't see this shit. Oh yeah. Like your, your font size can't be super small because people have limited vision. Sometimes it, you know, you can't use certain colors for different things. It has to, you have to include alt text for a lot of your images for people who mm -hmm. have, who have other sight um, abilities all kinds of there's you know 508 covers a whole bunch of stuff and so you know i, I so tried to hammer home real quick oh yeah sure because i know price for a lot of people is going to be prohibitive but didn't mm -hmm. you get like some glasses or something a while back that allowed you to see differences they so sort of um so color blindness is is not anything that you can fix chemically or with surgery or anything not yet anyway uh because it's that I, I don't have the genes uh, for specific rods or cones in my eyes to be able to detect different wavelengths of light and separate those into a larger number of colors. Like to me, I still see in color. I see colors all around me. Apparently, though, I just don't see as many colors as everybody else. Uh, and so there are sunglasses and indoor glasses where they've created notch filters on the lens itself that basically provides more of a contrast and color shift for everything that you're looking at. So it doesn't allow you to necessarily see more colors or in color better, but it provides more contrast for the colors that you do see so that you can more easily distinguish between different colors of the same shade. If that 
Hopefully that makes sense. Um, so I do have no, thank those. You. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm 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 very ignorant to color blindness issues because in my career field you can't even get in if oh, you're right. colorblind. Yeah. So it's never been a consideration. Like I've never had to once build a visual product that took into account colorblind folks because I know for a fact that my entire audience is by definition not colorblind. Right. So I want to learn this stuff because I have zero exposure to it. <laughs> yeah, and and it was and and that's great. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad that you're that you're trending your line of thought toward that. Um, but so I sent this email and I tried to hammer home that you know technically all of our work products are supposed to be fully 508 compliant. Clearly they're not. It's something that we're working toward. And to that end, I told everybody in my work group, I spent several hours completely redesigning our quad chart for everybody to use. And I said, rather than, and, and I said, you know, I've, I've changed it so that it's now the, the larger, wider template for use on modern screens. You know, nobody really has a four, three monitor at work anymore. So it's the wider template. So you can also pack more information onto each slide. That's been a problem in the past because we limit them to one slide. It's just a, you know, bottom line up front is, is the thing. It's, it's a bluff deck. And so I said, you know, I've, I've widened it. I've changed the font size. I've changed colors. I'm using standard colors in every Microsoft office application when you try to change the color for anything, there are three different sections of colors. One of those sections is standard colors, and they're named standard. It's it's green, orange, red, yellow, blue, light green, you know, shit like that. That it's very easy. There's a lot of separation and contrast and shading for people with different uh, color sight ability. But it's also very easy to use it as a standard color because that's what it's fucking named. <laughs> it's the standard colors. <laughs> so I said I've I've changed the colors on here. I've done a you know I've, I listed out all of the different changes and I hit send and this was shit like nine thirty ten o'clock last night and then I got to spend the rest of the evening with a little bit of anxiety wondering about how it would be received by everybody else because we had just gone through you know another coworker had just put out a brand new template that they wanted to use. But I said, you know, hopefully we can, use, you know, with approval, I would like to use this new template that I've designed as our standard moving forward, because it's much easier for me to use. And not only that, it makes things and makes those changes easier for everybody else. Typically when you're in a document and you need to change the color for something, you have to use your mouse, right? You have to mm -hmm highlight or select whatever you want to change and then you have to go to your menu and then you have to select a different color i said going forward rather than using red text for everything let's use bold italicized text that way everybody can see it just as easily as a red text it's much more easy for me to see it and in addition i don't even have to use my mouse i can use my keyboard for it i can do a control b and a control i to bold and italicize whatever i need to update people that this is new information on this slide. I'm drawing your attention to it with that rather than red text. So a lot of those little changes that, you know, make it easier for me to collaborate with everybody because now I can see what the fuck they're talking about when we go and review their slide and, and somebody says, oh, it says this here in red text. I have a question about that. And I would have to search and scour the entire thing to figure out what the fuck they were talking about because I couldn't see that it was in red text. Now they can just say, you know, item number whatever with bold text says this, 
much, much easier. And it's easier for everybody to update. It's easier for everybody to maintain these changes. And then we've got one standard moving forward that now we can use all of those colors across everything. And so I sent it, went downstairs, watched a show with Tracy, came upstairs to go to bed. And before I went to bed, I thought, oh, I'm going to check my email. And <laughs> as, it turns out, as it turns out, the director for the division uh, I included on my initial email for various reasons I won't get into yeah, I won't get into right now, but he sent a reply that was a very thoughtful uh, reply that I felt seen like he he sent his reply in such a way that he said, you know, oh, wow, I really appreciate all the work that you've put into this. I had no idea that you were colorblind. It's not anything that I've ever encountered before or ever had to consider. So I really t I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and make this update. And he said, additionally, I'm going to share this out with all of the other directors across the enterprise so that we can make this a standard throughout the enterprise for everybody and, and know that we need to keep, take this into consideration for other people. And then he yeah. also included that uh, another thing that we could do is he said, you know, I've, I've seen other places where they will also put aside from just a color for a box, they will put the name of the box, right? The, the name of the color for the box, so if you've got a red box, it's red with the text red in it. So even if you can't see any color at all, you will still know that that's what the status is. It's red mm -hmm. status. And then what does red status mean? You've got your color-coded key below that. And I said, that's a great addition. I will add that. So I added that. And that's now the new standard that's being pushed out throughout the enterprise. And I just thought that was fucking amazing. And it's one of those things that made me think, you know, diversity is fucking amazing it's great i don't know why so many people are hesitant to include diverse opinions about a bunch of different things because it can make life so much easier for everybody if you've got somebody who has a unique experience or understanding that they can share that with everybody else it sounds like you're just a little too woke dan <laughs> maybe maybe so <laughs> but it was it was just it was very validating and I'm glad that I put in the time because I also, oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've mentioned to you guys that being in management, it's fine to hear complaints from employees. You know, they'll, they'll complain about different things and you need to listen to those complaints and take them in and figure out what you can do to try to improve the situation. What's even better is if not, they're, they're not just presenting you with a complaint or a problem. They've also given you a solution. Right. And that's mm -hmm. what I did. That's I spent hours and hours last night, not just complaining about a problem, but providing a solution. And it's a solution that benefits everybody. So I just, it was, it was a good day at work today. I was pretty, I was pretty pleased with myself. Yay. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neat story, Dan. I liked it. Uh, there's, no, I'm not trying to. No, that, like I just, it's no, so, no, it's like well, it's, it's almost foreign to me because I've worked so much. Like so much of the industries I've worked in the last decade have been color oriented. Like mm -hmm. parts of my job would have been impossible to do without using reds and greens. Oh yeah, you know, as like default colors. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's really interesting to me to hear this. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Like when I worked in the network shop, I had to have somebody with me all the time in the server room because I couldn't fucking tell what any of the indicator lights were yeah. saying. They all, there, there's different, different patterns. Like it may flash three times and stop and start again three times, but it's still one little indicator. And sometimes that same indicator, if it flashes three times with a different color means a different thing. It's just the world mm -hmm. is not set up for colorblind people for sure. No, 
like even in in my career field like for uh, like hazardous materials you have placards you put on things different colors mean different things mm-hmm. and we have colorblind you're allowed to be colorblind to be a firefighter mm-hmm. but those <laughs> symbols will also have a color and a little like emblem that goes with it mm-hmm. so even though well, like it, if it's blue it means oh i shouldn't put water on that mm-hmm. and then it will usually have like a w with a line through it saying if you put water on me i go boom <laughs> yeah well it makes me think of um there's this kind of long-standing argument within epistemology and i'm sure that other people have tackled this territory i'm going to look into it you know probably tomorrow um epistemology is a subset of philosophy that argues about how do we know what we know mm-hmm. and one of the perennial disputes within that is um do we see the same colors right? Like is the blue that I see the same as the blue that you see? And one of the big problems with philosophy is this distinction between like a priori and a posteriori discussion, which is to say like, are you arguing something simply from like purely rational principles or by going out into the world and and obtaining data? Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of philosophy that like pretends that you don't even have to go out into the world and seek data to resolve problems. But like, this seems to be one of those cases where you could probably resolve the issue of, do we see the same blue by pointing out that like the world is very different for colorblind people than it is for not colorblind people. And that seems to imply by default that like not colorblind people probably do see the same green, um, you know, in, in contest to that, epistemological concept. Mm-hmm. So that's it's interesting to me. I want to look into that more. Oh yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you brought that up because there are a lot of things that I've thought about that way, right? Like how do, and it's one of the questions that I run into as a colorblind person, almost inevitably when, when I'm talking to a group of people and someone in the group, or I mention that I'm colorblind, inevitably somebody in the group says, well, what color is this? Or what color do you see? Or what color? Like, I don't know. Like how, how do you know what colors you see? Right. Like that's, 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 it's, I understand why they're asking the question and I'm, and I'm grateful that they're trying to find out more about what's going on, but it's an impossible question to answer really when you think about it. Like what colors do you see? Well, to me, I still see plenty of colors. Mm -hmm. There's just not as much of a distinction or I don't see as many colors as other people. And they'll hold up something and they'll say, well, I think they'll say, well, what color is this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll say, well, yeah. In in my world, you know, you like let's say they've 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 held up a a red book, right? I would say, well, mm-hmm. to me that looks like it is probably red, but there's a whole lot of background information that feeds into that decision for me as well, right? Like I have to know, mm-hmm. I carry around in my head stacks and stacks of information that people with regular sight would never even have to stop to consider, right? One of the one of right. the considerations while designing this template was that there are a few different areas with different colors of blue. And I changed them all to be if I changed them all that if if there's blue on there, we use one color of blue. If there's red, we use one color of red because for a colorblind person, they can pick up on different shading of colors, but that to a regular sighted person who can see all of the colors that most other people do, they can group light red, dark red, you know, a little bit, various shades of red altogether into being the color red. 
Like we're communicating on the slide that red is a problem. It doesn't matter what shade of red I use. It's red. Everybody can see that. But that's not true for colorblind people. For a colorblind person, if they're looking at something and they see various shades of a, of a color, to them that indicates that there's some difference there. And it's probably that it's a different color entirely. Like I can't tell the difference between various shades of red and green and brown, sometimes gray. And so if you change the shading while not changing the color classification, it's still, in my mind, could be an entirely different color and you're trying to communicate something entirely different than what you intended. It's just those little differences. And then having to learn just through experience what color things naturally are and in what order things naturally appear. Like, I know by nature, people don't have purple eyes. And so when I see somebody with you know, a, a particular shade of eyes or a lighter color of eye in my mind, that's blue. They could be wearing purple contacts and I would have no idea. I would just think that they had mm -hmm. blue eyes. Well, and, and I don't think pushback is the right word, but something that you said earlier made me think, um, you know, is it like, how can we really prove that? But like, that's the cool thing about science is that we kind of can, like we have, energy that we can bounce off of objects or even stars, right? Very distantly. And based on what comes back to us, we can tell the wavelength of light, mm -hmm. which tells us in a very certain kind of way, like, no, 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 this actually is what color that is right now. We arbitrarily map a word to that color, but like in a very, you know, no, this has a number associated with it. Like that is the the wavelength number this for this, this many megahertz shape, in right? wavelength that we yeah. are seeing. Right, right, and and to go a step further, like that's kind of what science does. Like there used to be a time when people thought that like the air that we breathe wasn't actually a thing, and then one day we acquired the ability to measure it. Um, mm -hmm. All the different you know, chemicals this, in it. Yeah, yeah. There's this um, there's this meme where there's two people standing on either side of a symbol, right? And the symbol is the digital six or the digital nine, right? Yeah. Which is the exact same configuration of lines, just reversed or not, right? Depending on where you're looking and, at it from. Yeah, and the initial version of the meme, as as first published, was like, oh, they're both right. It just depends on their perspective. And then the subsequent issuance of the meme is like it was kind of retaliated against was, no, 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 it's not the same, right? Whoever drew that symbol had an intent. Right. And and we may not understand what that intent was and have to gather more information, but an intent was there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, something that is evident in a lot of elements of nature, that like we we are elucidating the intent, you know, quote fingers intent, like the, the uh, advantageous adaptations of things in nature. Uh, by way of study, careful study. Um, and I find that really interesting. Like it, it's yet another case where we can see an is, deny an ought, and like rise above the limitations of our own human nature, mm -hmm. uh, which is really fucking cool to me. Oh, yeah. I think that's very cool. So, One of the things that I've thought about in the past, and and you kind of refreshed my memory about it, is we can we can talk about, descriptive characteristics of a thing and say that that's those, you know, a collection of those characteristics make that thing, that thing. But who's to say that you actually see the same thing that somebody else sees, you know what I mean? Like, because you can't see through their eyes, you can't process it with their brain. Mm -hmm. 
as an example, let's say that from birth you took a, a dozen people and raised them to believe that things you typically refer to as tables are actually chairs, right? So they've, they've grown up their entire life referring to the, to an object with those characteristics as a chair where everybody else would refer to that as a table. They don't know any different because mm -hmm. that's what they've grown up believing and that's what they've they've been taught is a chair to everybody else outside that particular group. It's a table. And so how do you know well, necessarily that what you're seeing is, is different? I'm a real mm -hmm. world example of that. Oh yeah. Because we have bubblers. You have what? Bubblers. What are bubblers? You call it a water fountain. Oh. <laughs> mm. I mean, like growing up in real Wisconsin, talk, I'm <laughs> it's a bubbler. Yeah. It's not called a water right. phone. Like, and I remember like my like, coming out here to Utah and be like, Hey, where's the bubbler at? And like the what? <laughs> the bubbler. And they're like, I don't know what the yeah. fuck you're talking about. I've never heard that term. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been, I've been learning Italian, right. For the mm. last six months, you know, that's, that's an entire lexicon of words. that are different. The wild thing is, is when like the words are almost exactly the same. Right. Mm. Um, Cause we have stolen so many words from Latin, <laughs> Italian, French. Oh, oh, my yeah. God. oh yeah. 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 English language is a bastardization of most other languages. <laughs> Yeah. English doesn't so much borrow from other languages as it knocks them over the head and ruffles through their pockets for loose verbs. Like, <laughs> that should be quoted. Um, uh, yeah, I quoted it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And like cultural stuff too. I mean, let's, let's, let's get down to it. Right. Uh, gender versus sex, right. You go back yeah. a couple hundred years and young boys would wear dresses because you know what, it's very easy to put a boy in a dress and let him go through all of his growth spurts and know that that thing's still going to fit him in two years, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. when you can only afford a couple of pairs of clothes. Um, look at uh, heels, right? High heels were developed to help men ride in stirrups. Yep. Yeah. And now, if you're a so man, the constructs that we associate with masculine and feminine gender are, you know, in many cases, uh, recent fluid. and in all cases, arbitrary. Oh, yeah. Arbitrary yeah. And, and transitory. And yeah. Yeah. My name is Dr. Karen Garst. I am the author of Women Beyond Belief Discovering Life Without Religion. I also have a blog at www.faithlessfeminist.com. You can find me on Facebook at Faithless Feminist and Twitter. I'm at Karen underscore Garst. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. I'm portraying Ryan in his truest form, carrying all of our sins while dressed like a weekend gigolo. Well, like the Bible, you're upsetting a lot of people, so just dial it down. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! This kind of leads me into where I wanted to go on to a little rant if you want me to start my little fucking rant. Absolutely. Because we, we no, me and Dan at least live in Utah. Taylor spent his, his, his great... You know, right wing youth here in Utah. His formative years. <laughs> <laughs> and as we know, Utah is all about passing laws to protect the children. Sure they are. Because that's why they 
that's why they, I mean, that was their thing. They're like, we got to protect kids. They can't go get gender affirming surgery. We need to fucking protect the fucking kids. Mm-hmm. But we also need to protect the church. So like if someone tells you they're molesting a kid, we really need to let them keep that private. Oh yeah. That's, that's secret and sacred, sacred and sacred. And, need and, to keep it hush hush. And even according to, uh, Bishop Oscar uh, Solis, uh, legislation that would require a priest to report sexual abuse violates our right to practice our religion. What? We can't practice our religion as as accurately or thoroughly as we want if we have to tell you all of the children we're raping? Yeah, yeah. So if someone comes to your church and tells them that they are raping children, uh... In that, in that, forcing that priest to then tell the authorities, "Hey, this guy is molesting a child," uh, that goes against the practice of their religion. Interferes so what with that tells me is their religion is all about fucking protecting pedophiles. Yeah, it interferes with his divine right to be the lone communicator directly to God. Like the the person, yeah. the person can't do it. This person needs to reconcile these issues with God. And then the other thing I kept hearing them say was, well, if you take, if you make us uh, report these things to the authorities, they won't tell us anymore. It's like, but what the fuck good does that do? Because you are reporting it to the fucking authorities anyways. Yeah. And this person is going to continue to rape fucking kids. That's, that's like the conversation I had with my grandparents fucking decades ago where they were complaining about, you know, they were, at the time they were talking about increasing the minimum wage and my grandparents were like, I don't understand why this is even an issue. Most people pay more than the minimum wage anyway. This this should just go away. People should stop talking about it. And it's like, okay, well, if you have no problem with it and most people are already paying it, then what is the problem with passing legislation no, that formalizes it? Like, that shouldn't be an issue then, right? You should just be, you should be all on board. Great. Let's get it done. Out of the way. Move on to something else. Yeah. But. I think remind me, I have a, a joke I need to tell you guys in the interstitial. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. But I now. cannot share it on there. <laughs> but the, the other thing, so this is actually coming from the article that Taylor sent uh, from AP, but this is already something I was already wanting to rant about a little bit. Uh, but th- there's so there's one group out there that was pushing for this law, but the reason why they say they're having such trouble is because fucking religious groups have so much fucking money and lobbying power that it's almost impossible to fight against. Mm. So religious groups are the ones lobbying to protect themselves from having to report pedophilia going on with inside members of their fucking church. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like they are (laughs) fighting so fucking hard to protect pedophiles. Yeah, and what is the motivation there, right? Are they they're they're more concerned with protecting the reputation and good name, quote unquote, good name of the the priest, bishop, vicar, whatever, and the institution itself than they are with protecting the members of that institution. Well, I mean, they're even trying to protect the members because if it comes out like, oh, John, a devout member of such and such church, just got caught fucking diddling kids oh well they don't then it comes back like oh the, he was a member of that church like, yeah ooh. yeah they don't they don't care about the individual well, they care about the that individual's reputational impact on that organization 
Yes. Well, and it's, it's 100%. even more so I would say it's nested in groups and out groups, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, concentric circles, right? The first circle of in-group is members of your religion. But then the second deeper circle of that is leadership within the religion, right? And mm-hmm. if you need to throw that outer circle under the bus in order to maintain the integrity of the inner circle, you will do so as long as the calculus works out that throwing the outer circle under the bus won't impact the inner circle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but even, even when they, when they like, like this quote is, I don't get this. When they say people should be able to go and confess their sins to their Bishop without fear of being prosecuted up until when they are confessing something that has affected someone else's life significantly. I would say that raping a children to significantly affects someone else's fucking life. Uh huh. L- let me let me translate that for you. Right. We believe that our religion is the superior power structure and orientation of authority for a society. Therefore, we reject the authority of the secular legal structure and want to handle internally any sort of abuse or other issue that we may consider a sin without allowing it to rise to the level of a crime. Mm -hmm. And we would rather punish the child for being tempting to the person who abused them than to turn over the individual to the law and abrogate our own authority over them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfectly stated. Perfect. Yeah, that was awesome. And instead of, you know, taking any real disciplinary action against the person for whom these allegations have been presented, we'll just transfer them somewhere else. We'll, we'll throw them into a, uh, into a fresh pool of potential victims for them to, to work on. <laughs> yeah. Because we view ourselves as being <laughs> under attack by secular legal structures because of the changes that happened through the second enlightenment, uh, it is a greater threat to us to bring about further enforcement by secular government than it is for us to permit a pedophile within our midst. Uh huh. You're you're like the you're the religious person whisperer. I know. <laughs> Based on how I was raised, if you want to know how fascist conservatives and religious people think. I'm redundant here. Just oh. ask. <laughs> oh man. Well. And speaking of, I'm, I'm going to segue here, speaking of religious conservatism and how people think, it's been very interesting to me to see how many people have been avoiding CPAC this round, uh, due Ooh. in no small part to the allegations against Matt Schlapp of mm. uh, sexual impropriety with people of the same sex. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, Matt Schlapp, yeah. one of the primary organizers of CPAC, has been credibly accused of groping other men un- unwantingly and unwarrantedly. Uh, See, that's not good. Yeah. He's always like, he's always set my gaydar on tilt. Like <laughs> clearly Matt Schlapp has some issues surrounding his personal uh, orientation and the conservatism that he uses as 
the central theme of his personality. And the two don't mix very well, right? Conservatives are not huge supporters of the LGBTQ community. Matt Schlepp understands no. that. And so he's constantly torn between his heart and his head. Poor, poor guy. Well, to quote the bard, to quote the bard, methinks the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it's it's like senators that 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 protest the uh, homosexual community very like, much. And then like get Lady caught G? In the, bathroom the, the worst kept <laughs> secret to... in Washington? Uh-huh. Yeah, Lindsey uh, Graham. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's the one been... who screams the loudest might be a part of that group. <laughs> it's been interesting. We're, we're actually drawn up close to uh, the end of time that we have for this episode. It's because we've shit. just been kind of chit-chatting about this different stuff. And I love these kinds of episodes where we just kind of explore a topic for a little bit and start and start riffing about it and then tie in other current events and everything. Um, it's been interesting, though, the whole CPAC thing versus um, the Club for Growth is also hosting another conservative convention. And Club for Growth has been centering a lot of their stuff around Ron DeSantis and his run for presidency, oh. where CPAC, Donald Trump, is going to be the closing speaker. And for all oh of CPAC, most conservative, uh, high-profile politicians in the United States did not attend this round of CPAC. They instead have gone to Club for Growth. I think we're seeing the... We're seeing Donald Trump be ratioed by the powers that be in conservative slash Republican politics. Well, you, so you're going to have to explain that term for the older people. There, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I, I was thinking you're, you're younger well, than I, was, I am. So I'll, I'll let you explain it to the older <laughs> folks. <laughs> <laughs> basically I think, well, cause yeah. I basically stopped following slang about five years ago <laughs> that that means that somebody else has a higher proportion of like credibility within the population than the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically being ratioed is typically reserved for social media spaces and it's where the ratio of likes or retweets or loves or whatever, you know, whatever reaction people have to a post, um, it can be driven down. And, and this is a big thing on Reddit, right? Where, where people, where, Posts are voted up or down, so you can be ratioed out of existence. That's one of the primary draws of sites like Reddit is that bullshit gets voted down and is obviated before it even gets a chance to take a hold in, in a lot of cases because more people can see that it's obvious bullshit and they'll downvote it. And things that are more popular or more in the zeitgeist that people are, are more in tune with, they can upvote and that rises to the top. And so when somebody is ratioed, it's that the responses to whatever they've done are either hugely positive or negative in which in whichever direction. So if they're being ratioed, they're usually referring to something that they expected to do very well and instead has been hit by a barrage of people who disagree. Gotcha. Yeah. After after seeing Mid and Riz recently, I realized I've reached the age where like kids need to get off my lawn. So thank you <laughs> what for is that. what is Mid and Miz? Uh, Mid, I guess, is just like like uh, something to do with like like just mid tier, like not very good, not very bad. And mm. then Riz is short for charisma, and okay. I just hate it. So oh. yeah, yeah. That's I've not yeah. heard. Yeah. 
that's terrible. Oh no, it's all over the place right now. I hate it. And and you hating it just you know increases the the value that I mm-hmm. see your Riz as being. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> like you're so cool, you're just rejecting Riz out of the box, and that increases your Riz with mm-hmm. me. I think it's very very NPC of you to uh, <laughs> pick up that. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> oh my! I, I I had an idea. Yeah, I haven't passed this by you guys, but since we're not going to, so uh, getting behind the veil, mm-hmm. uh, we won't be meeting up next week. There's lots of stuff going on, uh, but I had thought about putting together a little piece of grabbing some video snippets and trying to do it vo- both in audio and video format to be able to put out onto our YouTube and to our Facebook. Uh, something about Ron DeSantis. Oh yeah. Just, just, just following the money and his shittery, and the fact that he probably will be running for president, and his recent shit going on with Disney and his anti woke campaigns, and and then Marjorie Taylor Greene requesting safe spaces for Republicans now, and all that <laughs> shit. Um, I loved, <laughs> yeah, I loved seeing Biden comment on her recently. Like he said, oh yeah, like he was asked something about her, and he just said, oh, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, well. Wow. She's something, ain't she? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's 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 the the northeast version of the deep south. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. Oh, yeah. bless you. I thought it was. I thought it was. I think maybe the next time we get together, we should see how the story has evolved and potentially discuss um, uh, that Florida is attempting to ban the Democratic Party. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be something definitely worth taking a look at. I've I've been maybe we just need a Florida man episode. <laughs> we do. Yeah, there is so much fucking shit going on down there, and I have talked to other people who used to be Trump supporters who are now like, oh yeah, I'll vote to Santa's, and I'm like, ooh, that's fucking scary. <laughs> I, I have think- an idea. We'll talk offline, but if we can swing it in a short period of time, I think I know a great guest for a Florida man episode. Ooh, oh, that would be awesome. Do you know Florida man? Yeah, I, I he think he would be a Florida man. I think I know who you're oh. talking about. Um, I I think it was it was a recent episode of I think Scathing Atheist, where I believe it was Heath Enright referred to Ron DeSantis as Ronnie Two Boots. <laughs> it made me it made me chuckle a whole lot because it was it was a reference to the iconic picture of Ron DeSantis with his with his white rubber boots on that was very funny and shared all around and uh, digitally enhanced by a lot of people to become like thigh high rubber boot, rubber boots on Ron DeSantis as he's walking down the lane. Oh, I thought that was fucking hilarious. It can't be as bad as uh, some of the pictures of uh, Christy from New Jersey. Oh, on the, on the beach. Oh, Chris Christie. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Hey, He's he looks like a cartoon character, like yeah. Oh yeah, well I he mean, he looks like a child's drawing. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a he's a blob of shit. Like he's just he's a terrible, terrible person because he's obviously intelligent. In all of the interviews I see of him, he's he clearly mm-hmm. is an intelligent person, but 
having that level of intelligence while maintaining conservative ideals and views about the world really just indicates that you're a piece of shit. Like you're a smart person, but you're also a bastard. You're an asshole who doesn't really seem to give a shit about other people. Did you, have you seen the other, uh, conservative heartthrob who is in trouble now? Maybe which one? Paul Ryan. Oh, I saw a headline, something about Paul Ryan, somebody talking shit about him. Well, not that the fact that Paul Ryan is uh, works for Fox News now, and uh, the whole shit going on with Fox News, Paul Ryan is now back in the limelight, being like, "Hey, you've been working for Fox News since you left office, and uh, what's with this recent shit? Like, did you help this whole thing of promoting Trump?" Oh yeah, the Dominion case you know, against Fox is fucking amazing. I'm I'm here for yeah. it, man. I'm really excited about yeah. it. You know who's done a really good job of keeping himself out of the goddamn limelight is uh, Boehner. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, not Giuliani. Like, no, no. He, <laughs> he got out and he was like, I'm going to invest in some I'm tobacco done. and marijuana companies and just chill yeah. the fuck out. I'll cry when I talk about different things. I may come back into the Senate when, or I'll, I'll come visit the house when Nancy Pelosi, you know, lends or, or turns over the gavel to Kevin McCarthy and I'll give a tearful speech about how consequential her uh, tenure as house speaker has been uh, because mm-hmm. he respects the institutions of government. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he was probably the last Republican speaker who did. Yeah. Yeah. Who actually <laughs> gave a shit about the institution where he worked. It wasn't just about trying to raise funds and notoriety. He yeah to get a to get a slot on Fox yeah you know I'm, I I still imagine that he viewed his role there as trying to improve the lives of the people that he was representing. Uh, it's just the case that a lot of the people who voted him into office and that he was representing were also terrible people. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the things yeah. that he did while there reflected that. But we have run out of time for this episode. Uh, before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because y'all keep the show going and we love you ever so much. That would be, uh, two skeptical chaps, Corvo's temporary food servant, crucify the like button, leave a review, leave a review on iTunes and rate the show five times a day towards Celia Gray, Ed Harris, John McCullough, Ollie Olson, Savid Acuna, Sinead Duffy, Steve Kuno. Stephen Andrus, Tiffany Hudson, Vanessa, Kevin Scheel, All Hail Peanut Butra, Corey Ebert, Don't Be a Richard, Error 404, God Not Found. It's all shits and giggles until someone giggles and shits. <laughs> Jeremy like Goodson, Jonathan, McKenz Peterson, Marvin Draken, Martina Fern, Quiet Avocado or I'll Sick the Updog on You. He was, he's been rough this week. He's been very vocal. Uh, that guy. Up Doug Willoughby. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Zeus 9SO. Amber Krellen. Hersinian, a new patron. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate you. Woohoo. And I was what really a- hoping someone else got to pronounce that one. I was like, <laughs> that hurt. Woo-hoo. Her- and what a cool her- name. Her- her- yeah, fuck. Hersinian? That's okay. So I'll have to remember that. Oh, yeah. I actually looked that up earlier, and... Uh, Is it Greek? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hersinian 
When used as a noun, it is a prolonged mountain forming period in Western Europe, Eastern North America, and the Andes in the upper Paleozoic era. It's a cool name. I I like that. And welcome aboard. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Yeah, solid. I might steal that one for a character in a game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next up is Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. Sarah Segovia. Theodore Sellen. Tim Jacobson. And James, our longtime top patron. Thank you very much. Woo! Thank you all very, very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to uh, patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, (laughs) where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode, and then you get the show before everybody, you get extra stuff, stuff from the cutting room floor, all kinds of fun and fancy stuff, Uh, and we appreciate you very much. I need to go bye-bye now. I need to return to work, because there's shit on fire! (laughs) I need to go take some cupfuls of stuff and pour it out and run and get more cups and pour more water on it, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I just got to pee and put some grease on it. Okay. Oh, the wood. I got to put grease on my wood. <laughs> well, that doesn't work. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I haven't been getting much sleep lately and have to catch up. So also, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I was excited to see that the House Ethics Committee is investigating George Santos. Uh, uh, well, 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 no, that's not his name. That's the, that's the other guy. Um, George Anthony DeVolder Santos, Jesus yeah, Christ Anthony Superstar. DeVolder's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. For the last couple of weeks, I have read very little like current events news Um and have barely listened to any podcasts and my mental health has been improving significantly. (laughs) (laughs) Lulu, it sits in the window waiting for Sarah to come home. And if any vehicle parks out front, she barks at it, which then gets Oz to bark being like, I'm barking, but I don't know what I'm barking at. Something's going on. I gotta be part of the party.